You're listening to the St John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. The reading today is from Luke 2, 1 through to 20, and I'm reading from the NIV version. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want you to use your imagination as we think about the reading that we've just heard about the shepherds and the angels. My thanks to Chris Wright from Langham Partnership, one of our mission partners here at St John's, for the inspiration for this. I want you to imagine things from the angels' perspective. Picture the scene at the gates of heaven as the angelic choir is assembling. They're getting ready for a rare outside gig. They're being sent down to earth this planet that the creator God seems to pay so much attention to and the inhabitants of this planet that he seems to love so much, despite the fact that they spend a lot of their time hurting each other and even treat the planet itself with disregard. 
God seems to really love and care for these people down there, which is why they're going down to announce God's audacious plan. I mean, they could hardly believe it when they found out this plan nine months ago, when Gabriel, one of the most senior angels, announced the plan to Mary. God the Son, the very Prince of Heaven, the one through whom all of creation was made and for whom all of creation was made, was going down to live amongst these people. And not just that, he wasn't just going to arrive as the king to rule over these people. He was going to be conceived in Mary's womb. He was going to develop as a tiny embryo. He was going to be born amidst blood and cries and pain. He was going to be a fragile baby in a violent world. They could hardly believe that this was all part of God's plan for this planet that he loved. But now it's time for the Son of God to be born and the choir is getting ready to announce it. Gabriel is trying to marshal the ranks of angels and get them ready for their biggest gig of the year. And by Gabriel's side is a junior angel who's feeling just a little bit nervous because he's going ahead of the choir to announce this birth first. And he turns to Gabriel and says, please, sir, I'm feeling a bit anxious about this. It looks like Mary is about to give birth, but no one's told me yet who this announcement is for. Who will I bring the good news to first to announce the birth of God's son? Shall I go right to the top? and tell Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor. I mean, this is the most important news the world has ever heard. So I reckon I should tell the most important person in the world. No, says Gabriel, you're not going to Caesar. He's too proud. He's very powerful and he's considered very important. But our creator God has a very different view of what is really important. From his perspective, all human beings are important because they're made in his image. From the smallest child to the most frail adult. And our creator God has a very different view of power. Caesar uses power to subdue and rule with the force of his armies. His kingdom is about prestige and status. He doesn't care about the little people like Joseph and Mary, except as taxpayers, subjects to be counted to make sure they pay their dues. But our creator God uses his power to create and to raise up the weak and the helpless. Why else do you think he's sending his son as a baby? He's going to be born among the poor and for the poor. He's going to be a servant king. He's going to establish a kingdom based on love, justice, mercy and grace. His kingdom will offer life rather than death. And his kingdom will bring true and lasting peace by offering forgiveness and enabling people to be in relationship with their God. So no, don't bother telling Caesar he's too proud to bother with Jesus. He'll consider him too insignificant for him. Now, sadly, some people today think the same. Why would you even bother with Jesus? 
He's not really that important, that significant, that relevant, is he? I mean, Christmas is nice and some of Jesus' teachings are interesting, but I'm more interested in establishing power, status and importance through other means, through my career, through my popularity, through my family, through my sporting or my academic achievements. To the proud and self-sufficient often don't want to bother with Jesus and with his upside-down, bottom-up kingdom. It seems too insignificant to them and they fail to see its true power and worth. Okay, so Caesar's a no. <laughs> Should I go and announce this good news to King Herod instead? I mean, he's called the king of the Jews. He's more local. Surely he'll be pleased to have the Messiah born on his patch. Oh no, not Herod, definitely, definitely not Herod. He's too jealous. Haven't you heard how fanatical he is and how desperately he clings to power? He's killed off a number of his rivals already because they threatened his rule. No, nobody's going to be king while he's king. <laughs> He'll protect his own independence and his authority, whatever the cost. The very idea of Jesus as Lord and King will be too much for him. He'll try to kill him off as soon as he's born. And he won't be alone. There'll be other people who want to kill off Jesus when he grows up. They'll feel too threatened by Jesus' upside-down kingdom. Well, this news sobered the angels. It was all a bit too much. It was hard enough to grasp that the very Son of God was about to go through a human birth, was it possible that he might go through a human death as well? Did God love this bunch of humans that much? Some people today respond in a similar way to Herod, not that they want to kill Jesus necessarily, but they're certainly threatened by him and his demands to rule us as our true king. I mean, we want to rule our own lives, thank you very much. We want to be in charge and make the decisions and do what makes us happy. We don't want another king in charge of things. We're already kings and queens of our own lives. Nobody tells me what to do. Nobody has the right to boss me around. Well, this attitude actually lies at the heart of the problems in the world our desire for independence and our rejection of God's good rule over us leads to all the problems we see in the world. If each one of us is trying to rule our own lives, then we'll feel threatened by other people and we'll keep on taking from each other and taking from the world itself. Hence, the damage we have done and are doing to the planet. Self-rule doesn't actually work and it doesn't actually make us happy. We need God's good rule in Jesus, but like Herod, we can be too jealous for our own rule and fail to submit to King Jesus. So no, junior angel, don't bother to tell Herod. In his jealousy, he'll want to get rid of a rival king. Okay, so it's a no to Caesar and Herod. What about the religious leaders then? I mean, maybe I could take this message to them. 
they're the experts in religious matters. They're educated. They're the intellectual elite. They'll know what to do. No, Gabriel says, not the religious leaders. They're too caught up in their intelligence and expertise. They'll want to argue about the message and debate the evidence. They'll want to dispute with the messenger and amongst themselves. They won't want to simply accept this good news. They'll want to turn this message of a saviour and a king into an intellectual debate, into a sort of great cosmic quiz show in which they'll be the judges. Now, there's nothing wrong with questions. In Jesus' life, people often came to him with questions and he answered them. And even some religious leaders like Nicodemus came to him with questions and as a result of the answers given by Jesus became his followers. No, there's nothing wrong with questions. You might have your own questions about Jesus or Christianity. At St John's, we encourage questions. And then we run things like the Alpha Course, which is designed for people to come and ask their questions. You'd be most welcome to join us to do that. Let us know by clicking connect on our website. But some people use questions as a sort of shield against Jesus. They keep debating and arguing as a way of keeping Jesus at arm's length. It's dressed up as sophisticated intellectualism, but it's really just a way of not having to deal with Jesus and the demands of his rule over our lives. So no, you're not taking the good news down to the religious leaders. Well, now this, this junior messenger angel is getting a bit impatient. It looks like Mary's pretty close to giving birth. So who is he going to take this good news to? Well, Gabriel just grins and points. You see that flock of sheep there and the campfire with the shepherds sitting around it? That's who I want you to go and announce this good news to. What, to the sheep? No, not the sheep, you ding-dong, to the shepherds. Shepherds? They're not much better than the sheep, are they? They're not important or powerful or even educated. Why am I taking the good news to them? Because they will listen to you. <laughs> Of course, they'll be a bit scared at first. These humans always seem to be when we angels turn up. But they will listen to this good news. They aren't proud like Caesar. They aren't jealous like Herod. They aren't argumentative like the religious leaders. They are just ordinary people who know their need and are ready to listen to and receive good news when it's offered to them. They're longing for a rescuer to offer them forgiveness. They're looking for a leader to rule over them well and show them the best way to live. They know that they need God, just like their sheep need them. Do you know what they'll do when they've been given this good news? Well, they'll do what any sensible person would do when they hear the good news about Jesus. They'll go and find out for themselves. They'll get up and they'll go to him. And when they find him, they'll acknowledge him and worship him. 
They'll worship their creator, savior God, who has come in the flesh. And they'll share this good news with others. So off you go now. Go and take that good news to those shepherds. And we'll be ready to join you for the chorus. Now that's been me uh, imagining this event from the perspective of the angels. But the event itself is not in the least bit imaginary. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. And that baby grew up to be Jesus of Nazareth, who lived and walked and taught amongst his people, who was crucified under Pontius Pilate, and who was raised from the dead and seen and touched by eyewitnesses. These are real historical events that you can investigate. And this truly is good news that has been announced to the world. The question is, what will you do with this good news? And how will you respond to it? Can I urge you to do exactly as the shepherds did that first Christmas? Listen to the good news. Recognise that it is good news and then go and find Jesus for yourself. Have you ever seriously done that? If you seek him, like those shepherds, you will find him. You can come under his good and loving rule. You can be part of his upside down, bottom up kingdom, which is marked by forgiveness, grace, justice, and peace. Through him, you can have a relationship with God, your creator. Listen to the good news, run to Jesus, and celebrate this good news by sharing it with others. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.